going on next level? Yeah, great to see all of you. Welcome to our The One series, and I'm so excited about this series, and uh, as a staff, we've been so looking forward to this series to not just be able to, to cast the vision and really unpack a lot of the details of our Gateway Expansion Campus that uh, we are in the process of, of, of moving forward on right now uh, throughout the weeks of this series, but also uh, to really just unpack and zero in on the driving force of this series, which has been, uh, which is the driving force of our church, and it has been for coming up on almost 11 years now, and just Uh, And that is this, that uh, it's always been for us at Next Level Church about the one, that it's always been about the one individual. And the truth of the matter is, when we think about that concept of the one, it's, it's not difficult for us to understand because... At some point, in some way, shape, or form, and we'll talk about this in the coming weeks of the series, every one of us have been the one. We were the one who needed a place like this, who needed a place like Next Level Church, an environment like this, where God could touch us, where Jesus could change our life. And so for us, man, we're just pumped to be able to cast the vision around uh, this NLC expansion and what's happening there. Uh, And the truth of the matter is um, this multi-site vision, being one church in multiple locations, has always been the vision in our heart for like nine, maybe almost almost 10 years, uh, ever since Sarah and I moved from the Midwest here to Fort Myers to start Next Level Church, the dream, the vision has never been to just be one church in one location, to just build kind of a super mega jumbo campus. The vision for us has always been to blanket the five county uh, radius, if you will, of 1.1 million people who call themselves, call Southwest Florida our home. It's been to, to blanket this sort of expression. See, at the end of the day, here's what we think. We think it's possible that people will attend a church like this if they live 30, 35, 40 minutes or or further away, but it's impossible for them to truly be a part of the life flow of a local church like Next Level Church when you live that far away. And so the vision for us for nine years uh, has a plus has been that God would give us the ability to do this in several locations, a half dozen times, if you will, all across this geographic area known as Southwest Florida. I remember uh, in the movie theater days when we were just starting out, like there, it was bad. Like it was, it was, it was the hard, the bad season of Next Level Church. Like it was just, it was, it just, uh, trust me, it was. Uh, and I remember standing up in our movie theater and having, you know, like 130 people and being like, someday, we're going to have these all over. And people being like, for real, bro? Like, me and my wife, like, we're the whole campus. Like, that's right. Like, I'm telling you. And yet that vision, that dream of God has always been there for us. And so as we move into this next season of our church and we expand east of the interstate to these communities of Alva and Buckingham to Lehigh and and to be centralized there in Gateway, right on Gateway Boulevard, uh, this is a dream come true. This This is the next step in the vision that God has for us as a church. And and the reason why this series, this weekend, specifically this message, is all about unpacking the why. Why are we doing this? Why, why are we going east of the interstate? Why have we purchased seven plus acres of land right on Gateway Boulevard? Why, uh, why are we going to build another one of these out there? This series is all about the why. And the reason why is because this is what we discover when we study the life and ministry of Jesus is Jesus was all about the one. That he wasn't afraid of, he wasn't scared, he wasn't threatened by the crowds, but that wasn't his only focus. When we study the life and ministry of Jesus, we discover that his focus was the one. 
which is completely opposite, by the way, of the focus of our world. That Our world today defines success by being able to focus on ourself more, on my needs, my wants, my desires, my whim, my, my bubble, if you will, and focus on others less. As a matter of fact, you know you've arrived in our world today when you are able to Build your life in such a way that you can insulate the world, uh, yourself from the world around you, focus all on yourself, and think as little as possible on others. The world says that's the definition of success, which is an understandable goal, I suppose, except that that's not the goal of Jesus. And we study the life of ministry and ministry of Jesus, we discover that his goal, his dream, his focus of his life was not about himself and his comfort and his whims and his desires and his needs. The goal of the life of ministry and ministry of Jesus was always about the one. He was always seeing the ones. And that's what we're going to be talking about this weekend, seeing the ones. So if you have your Bible, I would love for you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 8. We're actually going to look at at an example, uh, four examples of how Jesus saw the ones in each one of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, four books of the Bible that tell about the life and history and ministry of Jesus. And so we're going to pull an example out of that and cite and look at four of the ones, four examples of the ones that Jesus saw. And the first one, if you want to take notes there in your bulletin, I would love that too. The first ones that Jesus saw were the forgotten ones, the forgotten ones. In Matthew chapter 8, we find Jesus at the height of his ministry, uh, just taking off. Matter of fact, the three chapters before this, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, are actually the Sermon on the Mount, uh, which, is, which is a famously historic, you know, teaching moment in the life and ministry of Jesus. That the Sermon on the Mount was, was, there were thousands of people gathered on this mountainside, this hillside, and Jesus taught them, and he just went from topic to topic to topic to topic to topic, just all day, just teaching the masses, just thousands of people there. Jesus just teaching them, just pouring into them. And, and that's Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And then in Matthew chapter 8, verse 1, an interesting thing happens. Let's take a look at it. Matthew chapter 8, verse 1 says this, when Jesus came Came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. So he was, uh, again, man, this is the pinnacle of his ministry right here. Like he is, uh, he is at the height of it. Verse 2, a man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Verse 3, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. In the midst of all of these great things happening in the life and ministry of Jesus, in the midst of of his ministry just taking off and just crowds of people all around him, Jesus saw the forgotten ones. See, in their day and age, when you got leprosy, you were instantly banished. That you were instantly, you said goodbye to your family. You were no longer permitted to speak with them or to interact with your family. You weren't allowed to participate in temple activities. You weren't allowed to be in city life. They were actual a whole leper colonies for, for people who came down with this dreaded disease of leprosy. They wanted to forget about you as fast as they possibly could. And so tr- these lepers were people who were truly the forgotten ones. And isn't it interesting that here with Jesus, with just crowds and crowds of people all around him, Jesus in the midst of just an amazing move of God happening in his midst, still had time for the forgotten ones. And Next Level Church, can I just tell you something? Listen, 
No matter what God does, no matter how big our church gets, I want you to know something. The reason why this church exists is not to make Christians comfortable. The reason our church exists and has existed for almost 11 years now is because of the forgotten ones. And when I look at the communities east of the interstate, of Gateway, of, of Lehigh, of Buckingham, of Alba, those communities, I, can, I know that there are so many hundreds and hundreds, thousands and thousands even, of forgotten ones who are looking for a touch from Jesus, a touch that so many of us have known and experienced because of a place like this. Jesus saw the forgotten ones. Number two, if you're taking notes, the second group of people that Jesus consistently saw were the next ones. The next ones. In the book of Mark this time, finding the illustration in Mark chapter 2, we, we see Jesus at a, at a pivotal time. He's at the very beginning of his ministry. And so he was doing what he often did in his ministry, which was find a, a wide open space. And for, at this point, it was a beach next to a lake. And he finds this wide open space and he begins to teach people. And sure enough, the crowds start to gather around him. But I want you to notice who Jesus saw again, even in the midst of the crowd. Mark chapter two, starting in verse 13, it says this. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him and he began to teach them. So that's kind of his MO. That's what he does. He wasn't afraid of large crowds. That just wasn't his only focus. Verse 14, as he walked along, look at this, he saw Levi. Son of Alphaeus, he was somebody's son, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Jesus, in the midst of these crowds, crowding around him, in the midst of just a sea of humanity, he saw the one. He saw the next one. He saw this guy named Levi, this, this young person of the next generation who was bursting with leadership potential. He saw leadership potential in this Levi who later became known as Matthew. Jesus saw leadership potential in the next generation. He was the son of Alphaeus. Look what it says. This, is what, this was his call to the next generation. This was his call to the next ones. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. Jesus saw the next ones. And can I say something? Listen, I don't know what you know about the communities that in our world that exist east of the interstate. Lehigh, Buckingham, Alva, Gateway. They are bursting with young families and children riding their bikes up and up down the sidewalks and high school students and middle school students and single people and, and young professionals who work at places like Sony and Gartner. I'm telling you, those communities out there are just bursting. With, for crying out loud, like half our staff lives out there. Like I'm just, I'm telling you, it's like a youth group, only a city. Kind of. Here's, here's the point. For, for us as a church, listen, we don't believe that the next generation is the future. We believe they are the now. 
And we are going to be a church that looks to the next generation and says, listen, we want to get behind you. We believe you can change the world. And if you're a part of the next generation and you define that however you want to define that, uh, listen, I want you to know something. You're in a church that believes in you. You're in a church that believes and sees your potential. And we want to get behind you. We want to see that potential in you. And we want to offer resource and wisdom. And we want to get behind you because, listen, church, I believe the next generation can change the world. I believe that, and we as a church are going to be a church that is about empowering the next ones. That's the kind of church we have always been, and we are always going to be. Just last Sunday night, I don't know if some of you saw this on social media or not, but a group of about 30 high school students from Next Level Church, after Pastor Mark Batterson was here, Uh, and spoke to us and inspired us on praying circles around our biggest dreams. They loaded up Sunday night, and Rick, who's one of the guys who works on our student ministry now, took them out to our property on Gateway Boulevard, and they started praying circles around it, and they started doing prayer walks, and they were so excited and fired up, and Rick was telling us uh, as a staff this week, he said, man, they were so fired up, we thought they'd go out there, you know, for 15 or 20 minutes, and that'd be the end of it. He said, but they started praying circles, and they were praying around our property, and then they got so excited, they didn't know where our property ended, that they started praying circles around the property behind it, and they're just praying, and he said, don't be surprised if God gives us that property too. I'm like, come on, brother. So listen, he finally said it got so dark, they had to call him in. Like, come on, stop praying. Stop praying circles around that gateway campus. Stop, come in, come in. Listen, that's what I'm talking about. The future is now. And there is a generation rising up, a generation of Levi's, somebody's son and daughter that we as a church are going to get behind and empower. We believe the next generation can change the world. And we as a church are going to leverage all that we are to empower the next generation to go and do that. That's the kind of church we're going to be. Jesus not only saw the forgotten ones, but Jesus saw the next ones as well. Number three, if you're taking notes, Jesus saw the confused ones. The confused ones. The third group of people that Jesus saw were the confused ones. In Luke chapter 19, we find this story of a guy who had a confused definition of success. His name was Zacchaeus. Some of us have heard of this story. You've been around Bible study. Zacchaeus was a guy who was extremely wealthy, who was the chief tax collector. Like, according to his world success, he had risen to the top of that ladder. Like, he was, he had done it, man. He had reached the top of that ladder. He was a businessman. He was shady. He was a, he, he was a, a conniver, a schemer. He lived by the motto, get all you can while you can because you can. That was this Zacchaeus guy. He had risen to the top rung of the ladder of success according to his world. And yet, even though he had risen to the top of that ladder of success, there was still something in his heart that was missing. And he'd heard about this Jesus of Nazareth, this this teacher, this this Messiah, this chosen one, this, this one who people were talking about, did miraculous things and raised people from the dead. He had heard rumors of this Jesus. And then one day he found out that this Jesus was coming to his town. And so he got excited because he, he, even though he had reached the top of, of this ladder of success, according to his world's definition, he, he still felt like he was missing something. And so he heard that Jesus was coming, and, but because he was a short guy, when Jesus started to come that way and because of the crowds, he couldn't, couldn't get to him. He couldn't see him. 
And so Zacchaeus, being the ever smart business guy, runs ahead of the parade route where he knows that the path of Jesus will go. And he climbs up in a tree and he waits for Jesus to come by. And the Bible says that as Jesus came by, Zacchaeus and Jesus have this incredible interaction that changed his life forever. Luke chapter 19, verse 5, look, it says, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. In other words, Zacchaeus, I want to be in relationship with you. Zacchaeus, I, I want to I set straight your definition of success because you're seeing it one way according to what the world says is success, but I want to show you a better way to define success in your life. Verse 6, so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. See, Zacchaeus had been confused about his definition of success. And when I look at the communities east of the interstate, I can't help but see and think of so many who, sure, they may live behind a gated community. They may live behind a beautiful facade on the outside of their house, but on the inside, they have a confused definition of success. I, I look across our church now and, and see so many of you who have stories where you are climbing one ladder because you thought that's what the world said mattered most. But once you had an interaction like Zacchaeus with Jesus, all of that shifted. And you've adopted a whole new definition of success. I think about a friend of mine who's a, a leader here in our church now. His name is Neil. And 15 or so years ago, Neil was um, at the top of, of his ladder of success. Uh, according to the world, he lived in Washington, D.C. He was a political insider. He, he um, eventually grew to become the chief of staff for a congressman who was one of the up-and-coming rising stars in, in, the Congress, in the Congress. And once he left that position as chief of staff for, for a congressman on Capitol Hill, he went to work for a lobbying uh, uh, firm one of the top lobbying firms in all of Capitol Hill. And Neil, my friend, according to the world's definition of success, had reached the pinnacle. He had reached the height of it all. And through some incredible circumstances, in a matter of months and years, had all of that stripped away. And all of the ladders, of the, uh, the rungs of the ladder of success, according to the world's standards, fell through. And my friend Neil found himself at rock bottom, banished from political world, unhirable in the lobbying world, completely unemployable. I just talked to Neil this week on the phone, and he was retelling some of the story of how he ended up getting a job for the only people that would hire him, which was a homeless um, organization, the organization that worked for homeless, uh, with homeless people there in D.C., and Neil told me the story this week of how a conversation with a homeless guy in Washington, D.C., after he had lost everything, was the thing that God used to remind Neil of his faith that he had had as a child and teenager, but had walked away from in pursuit of a confused definition of success. Well, long story short, Neil ended up coming back to Christ, putting his faith in Christ, returning to his relationship with Jesus. He, of course, now lives here in Fort Myers 
is a key leader in our church, does, leads a lot of our ministries to homeless people, and he actually works for the Homeless Commission of our city, helping homeless people. And if you talk to Neil today, you know what he'll tell you? He'll tell you that he once had a confused definition of success, but thanks to a relationship with Jesus Christ, that definition of success has been turned on its head, and he now has a right definition of success, and he is living his dream. And here's what I know. I know that Neil is not the only one. When I think about what God's giving us the ability to do this year, Next Level Church, east of the interstate, I can't help but think there aren't hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, of Neils who are living in Gateway, who are living in Lehigh or Buckingham or Alva, who are, who are struggling with a definition, a right definition of success, who have a confused definition of what it means to be successful. But when we create a space like this and they have a life-changing, life-transforming encounter like Neil did with Jesus Christ, that definition will suddenly be turned on its head and they will begin to point their life in the direction that God wants them to go. When Jesus was on earth, he saw the confused ones, like Neil. He saw the confused ones. Number four, fourth group of people that Jesus saw were the broken ones. The broken ones. In the book of John, chapter five, we find the story of a lame man. And it's interesting because where we find this lame man, he's laying next to a pool that was called Bethesda. There in, the, in Jerusalem, uh, there, was, there was this pool called Bethesda. And it was rumored, it was storied that every so often an angel of the Lord would come down and, and would stir the water in this pool at Bethesda. And the minute the water began to stir, the first person to touch the water or get into the water received a healing from the Lord. And sure enough, they, they started to discover that it was true, that, that it actually became known as this place where, man, when the water stirs, first one in gets a healing. And so, of course, over time, there were, there were every lame person, every sick person, every affirmed person in Jerusalem would gather at this pool, waiting day after day, month after month, year after year, waiting for the water to stir so that they might happen in to be the first one and receive their healing from the Lord. Well, in John chapter 5, Jesus comes to this pool of Bethesda. And he's there. And he finds a lame man who the Bible says has been this way for 38 years. Broken. And rather than just seeing the crowd, seeing the masses, Jesus sees the one. Look what happens. John chapter 5 verse 6. When Jesus saw him lying there, and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Verse 8, then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat, and he walked. Jesus saw the broken ones. Jesus saw this man who had been broken for his entire life. And he offered him healing, and he offered him a hand up. 
Why are we going to Gateway? Why are we going east of the interstate? Why have we purchased seven acres of land? Why are we going to build another one of these out there? Because we know, we believe that there are so many living east of the interstate who are hurting, who are broken, who feel forgotten, who are confused. So many marriages that are broken, so many people who are struggling, so many uh, marriages and, and children and teenagers who, who are looking for hope, who are looking for direction, who are looking for purpose, and we're going to be that church that invades these communities east of the interstate with a message that says, listen, there's healing in Jesus' name, and we want to help you up. That's the kind of church we have always been. That's the kind of church we are. And as we expand east of the interstate, listen, guys, that's the kind of church we are going to be. A church that sees, like Jesus did, the broken ones. Jesus was a, 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 a God in man form who saw. He saw the ones. And here's the coolest thing. When you study the life and ministry of Jesus, what we discover is that this wasn't just his passion. It wasn't just his thing. That he actually empowered his people. Look at this, one final scripture. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, it's on the screen. says, when he, speaking of Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. That He felt love. His heart broke for them. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus saw the ones, and when he saw the ones, the forgotten ones, the next ones, the confused ones, the broken ones, his heart broke for them, and he was moved with compassion. And so what did he do? Here's what he did. He said to his disciples, verse 37, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Those who will get the job done, the workers the leaders, the, the, those who will carry this burden with me, they are few. And so he tells them what to do. Verse 38, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. In other words, I need you to pray that God will raise up laborers, workers, those who will get the burden and carry it with me to reach the hurting and the broken and the confused and the forgotten and the next ones in our world. And here's the interesting thing about Matthew chapter 9 and, and about this book, that when it was originally written, there weren't chapter and verse delineations in there. That it was several hundred years later, just for organization's sake, that, that people went back in and put the chapter breakdowns and the verses and stuff. So watch this. It, it, as we read it in our translation, th this is the end of the chapter. And then chapter 10 starts, and, and theoretically it's a new thought. But the truth is it's actually the same thought. It's a continuation of thought. So Jesus says to his disciples, his followers, like us, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers or laborers, leaders, into the harvest field. But then, chapter 10, verse 1, continues the thought. Look what happens next. Jesus called his 12 disciples, his followers, to him and gave them authority. Jesus called his followers of the day and said, the same authority that's been on me is on you. The same ability to see the forgotten and the next and the confused and the broken of our world and do something about it, the same authority that was on, is on me is on you now. And here's what I believe, Next Level Church, nothing has changed. That today, 
in our day and age, some 2,000 years later, the same authority that Jesus put on his followers, his disciples then, he places upon us as well. We serve a God who's calling us and giving us the authority and the ability to see the forgotten and the next, the confused and the broken of our world and to do something about it. And Next Level Church, that's exactly what we're going to do. When you came in this weekend in all of our services, there was a card on every chair that says the NLC expansion. You can see on the back there, there's uh, some details of, of the most current thoughts on all of this. There's a website, the NLCExpansion.com. There's a QR code there that you can scan with your phone or uh, your tablet device and, and get the latest up-to-date information on everything that's happening with our Gateway Campus. And here's the deal. Come on, Next Level Church. Think of it. Think of the opportunities. Imagine what's possible when you and I grab a hold of this authority, this ability that Jesus gave us to see the forgotten, to see the next, to see the confused ones and the broken ones and do something about it. And this year, this is one of the things we're doing about it. So here's what we're asking you to do. First of all, we're asking you to pray. Would you take this card home and put it somewhere where you're going to pray? Maybe you want to put it in your Bible or put it next to your soap guide where you've been reading or you study your Bible. Or maybe you want to put it in, in a prayer journal that you have or whatever the case may be. Maybe you just want to stick it in your car or, you know, put it on your desk somewhere that every single day you can begin to circle this in prayer. Come on, next level. Let's begin to circle this opportunity in prayer. God has chosen us, his disciples, his followers, to go east of the interstate. And begin to see the forgotten, the next, the confused, and the broken. And do something about it. So will you t- the, the action step this week is simple. Take this home and start praying. Come on, start asking God to give us favor that we might be able to impact those that Jesus sees like we never have before. Can we pray together? Father, thank you. Thank you for an opportunity today to be in your house. Thank you for an opportunity to see the ones like you do. God, I thank you that you've chosen us as a church to steward your word, to steward what you're doing on the earth today. God, you've given us a, a specific call, a specific expression of your body that you want us to blanket all of Southwest Florida with. And so, Father, I pray today that you would just be with us. Lord, I pray in the coming weeks and months ahead that you would give us favor, you would give us opportunity, that we would step into all that you've called us to step into as a church, that the forgotten would be forgotten no more, that the next generation would be empowered like never before, that the confused would be set straight, and the broken would find healing. Jesus, thank you for allowing us to see the ones like you do. And God, right now I pray over all of our services, Lord, if there are some who've come into this place today, it's impossible that that, that they haven't. God, I know that there are some who've come into this place today who feel forgotten, who feel confused, who are broken. And so Jesus, right now, we just pause right where we are. We just give you opportunity to move. Lord, I pray that you would touch hearts right now, all of our services. God, touch hearts. 
God, would you begin to work a work of healing in the brokenhearted today? Lord, for those who have come in and they're disillusioned or they're discouraged, God, would you be their encouragement today? For those who come in and feel abandoned, feel forgotten, Lord, would you wrap your loving arms around them and let them know that they are indeed not forgotten, but they are the apple of your eye. They're the one that you're looking for. Jesus, would you make yourself real? Would you make yourself real to each and every one who's come in this place today? Father, for those who've come in who feel like no one will see or recognize their potential, Lord, I pray for them that here in this place they would find not just us, but you, Lord, a God who knows and sees their potential and is behind them 100%. Father, thank you. Thank you for calling us to be a part of a church like this, that we might be your hands and feet extended into a world of the ones who desperately need you. Lord, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everyone in every service who agreed said, Amen.